Welcome back, everyone. We've made it to the second episode. Woohoo! How you doing, Leah? Good. Tired. That's not what you were saying before. (laughs) Very tired today. Dragging you off the couch to do this (laughs) podcast thing. I'm here. I'm here. Ah, It's very good. So, um, we dropped our first podcast Mm -hmm. yesterday. We did. After much mucking around. Well received? Hopefully. Seems to be. Lots of feedback and positive comments. Yeah, what some of the things be? Oh, I don't know. Putting you on the spot. Uh, I don't know. That we keep it real. That they want, they're interested in the topics we might cover. Yeah, lots of things. Okay, sounds good. What are we going to cover today? We are going to look at uh, life with a child with a disability. Okay. And what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we have personal experience with our beautiful indigo. We do. Tell us about indigo. Uh, indigo is our beautiful daughter. She is 10 years old at the moment, and she was diagnosed with uh, severe autism at about two and a half, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's been a big journey. Yeah, and so part of that journey was... Um, realizing initially that she wasn't developing as quickly or um, as broadly as the other girls eh? what were some of the initial signs that we saw well to be honest she was really young and we had three under three so it was Mm. pretty hectic time Mm. um i just remember her not making much noise like lying on her back under those baby gyms and just staring at things and not being kind of um as noisy or responsive as the other girls were yeah. But it wasn't until I took her to Plunkett for her two-year-old check that they kind of said to me, look, something's going on. She's not meeting any of the markers for mm. her age. Um, and they wanted to refer me on to an EIT. Well, EIT, early intervention. early intervention teacher. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember thinking at the time, like we were obviously really sleep deprived because we'd had the three under three. Mm. We weren't even really functioning properly. But yeah. we didn't realize that till after the fact that actually... Yeah, sleep deprivation is a real thing. But I think part of it also was a bit of denial. Like, we know that kids develop at their own stages and their own speeds. Yeah, But I think for me personally, it was a bit of denial and still denial, like, through those early years, even into early school, that something was going on for her. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I was all good up until the diagnosis. I kind of knew... Something was going on, especially as the EIT um, came and worked with her, and then she got an SLT, speech language teacher, therapist. to come as well, therapist, um, yeah. to work with her as well. And I kind of realized something significant was going on there. Um, and they were encouraging us to get an assessment done. Hmm. So we got on the waiting list and then finally got in to see um, some pediatricians it was a whole group of people yeah it was a pediatrician it was interesting because with my work i obviously work in the child psychology sort of area um i work with professionals all the time and 
it's one thing to be a provider of a service but another thing when you're actually a consumer and you're actually on the receiving end and that gave me quite a big mm. insight into how you sort of treat people and, and how that goes but anywho I remember showing up to that appointment and the pediatrician coming out and saying oh hey Tim good to see you again mm. they treated us with absolute respect and um, were very professional but it was quite eye-opening sort of that gap between my professional life and yeah. my personal life was being all of a sudden blurred yeah. so I think the main thing for me was to m- try and keep them separate I think because otherwise having that sort of individual personal experience may impact on my sort of professional role yeah uh oh dishwasher <laughs> pause it pause it nah talk through okay so what happened next uh, I one of my standout memories from that time when she got her assessment done was them coming back into the room and talking to us and saying, yes, she does have ASD, autism spectrum disorder, and she's on the severe end of the scale. And my biggest question right then was, what does her future look like? Like, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. And I think um, throughout our journey with Indigo, that's been like the number one worry or fear I guess on my mind just what's her life going to look like for her Mm. what is she going to be able to um, cope with or do or what yeah what's her future and her happiness kind of going to look like what's her life going to look like and what's ours going to look like as a result yeah so um, that's something that I really struggled with and I remember um the first few days afterwards just being in tears and really grieving kind of the life I imagined for her and for Mm. us Mm. um and just being in a really hard place but I think to get through it you've got to let yourself feel those things and to to grieve that loss and sometimes it can be an ongoing grief Mm -hmm. um in different ways and stages but yeah initially there was definitely a period of that before Mm. I was ready to embrace this whole asd thing and run with it yeah i think a big point there that you've talked about which we're going to talk about in later things is actually put the emotions out there because that's a massive thing that i don't do i don't put my emotions out there i Mm. maybe being a bloke maybe being a kiwi i don't put it out there I, i tuck it inside and yeah at times i probably have um put stuff down and inside around sort of Indy's diagnosis and the future mm. and what that holds but it's not the way to deal with it you've got to get it out you've got to let it out in some way shape or form or otherwise it'll just build up yeah totally yeah for me I mean I think I intellectualized it too much obviously with my um, knowledge and understanding I hadn't really done much work with um, children on the autism spectrum disorder but I obviously studied a lot and the prognosis is mm. not always great and mm. it's it's a life um, diagnosis usually mm. and I think that's a bit fatalistic um, which you shouldn't um, shouldn't do it but you still you still go into that space you're like are we going to have a child that's ever going to function at that stage she had hardly any language yeah she, she couldn't um, talk to us her way of communicating was pointing yeah. and, and making noises so uh, that was a huge difficulty for me um, well for both of us thinking mm. about her life mm. and future yeah massive yeah so in those early days of diagnosis especially for like people that might be going through this journey right now what what really have helped i think the support of friends really helped mm-hmm. um neither of us have our family close by and though they're supportive they weren't immediately there not around the corner but yeah. i had um 
a really great group of friends around me at the time who just kind of let me cry and were there with me in that process and um, yeah just really walked that early journey with Indigo beside me Mm. and I felt quite supported by them and I just knew how much they loved me and loved Indigo and that was a real strength for me to find that and find those people Mm. so I would encourage anyone going through something similar to have support around you to have people who sort of unconditional support eh? yeah who get you and who get your child and who back you unconditionally and and just love you yeah what about the advice givers yeah I had a lot of those Mm -hmm. that's hard and initially um I felt quite overwhelmed by that um I'm someone who people seem to love giving advice to. <laughs> <laughs> Let's clarify, it wasn't me that was giving no, advice. No, no, no. These when are well many friends. Yeah. When I'm not Work. at work, I'm not allowed to be a psychologist. No way. I keep getting told off. <laughs> I can't psychologize. No. So, um, yeah, it's just important to filter that advice because nobody's walking in your shoes. Nobody mm. knows the life that you're living or what works for you and your family. Mm. And just to own what works. I remember um, someone telling me that in, in Pukekohe back in the early days, just to own what works for our family. Yeah. And to stand in that. Yeah. And go with that. And I think over our time with Indigo so far, we've really learned to do that and found things that work with keeping her calm and... Mm. Just what works for us. Yeah. You can read all the textbooks in the world. You can do all the study that you want. But ultimately what it comes down to is is relationship and Mm. actually how can you maintain the relationship there. Mm. Like a lot of people when they hear ASD or that, they think, okay, it's all these particular traits or symptoms or behaviors. Mm. But the reality is it's a spectrum. Like it's in the name. So spectrum is there's a whole wide range of different behaviors or um issues that or presenting concerns that may pop up and it's really important to see your child as an individual and and think and um help try to manage the difficulties that they present with there and then yes there's no no point in sort of just trying to put somebody in a box because that's not how humans work that's that's the issue with a lot of the diagnosis systems that we have they're not really um able to be flexible enough to to work uh, within uh, the confines of that diagnosis. So, yeah, yeah it's really important uh, from our perspective is to have a relationship and that unconditional love. Mm. So, so true. I think that's been um, the key, just relationship and connection with Indigo. Yeah. has really grown her and increased her abilities in amazing ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's astounding. I think we've really been blessed that... Um, She's got such a lovely heart yeah. and a lovely personality and she's just so likable and lovable. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of that comes down to us and you especially spending that quality time with her, mm. playing when she's younger. Yeah. A lot of sort of parallel play to start with as so we're playing alongside, but then her starting to learn um, because often she's in her own little world. Yeah. Um, and her starting to learn that there's actually others around and, and wanting to uh, get her to engage and, and play with those kind of peeps. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really important. And just, um, yeah, reflecting emotions and empathy and compassion and all those things that typically ASD kids struggle with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we talk about typically, but um, for her, she's actually a lot hypersensitive to emotions. And so once again, that's not something that's specifically around the diagnosis is 
um, she'll often be quite overwhelmed by emotions and emotions of other people. Yeah. Um, often people will talk about children with ASD don't have great theory of mind or understanding what's going on for things. And that's mm. partially true for her, but yeah, her emotional focus is, is a big thing for her. It is very heightened. Yeah. She'll pick up on anyone's emotions and they'll become her own. Yeah. So what's been um, some of the sort of positive changes you've seen in her? Uh, just amazing. Just her, her speech has come so far. Mm-hmm. Her ability to communicate. Um, just massive. I think especially probably over the last couple of years, that's really increased a lot more. Yeah. Being able to tell us uh, what's going on for her or what she needs or even what she's feeling. Now she'll be like, I feel scared or... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm upset or yeah things like that that mummy's angry yeah (laughs) she does say that a lot um just being able to express herself has been massive Hmm. one of the most massive changes um and physically just her independence has increased toileting dressing herself yeah just managed to ride her bike this year and these holidays she's worked really hard and learned to flip on the tramp yeah, it's been incredible. Tell her, tell the um, listeners about her biking story. What? Okay, I'll tell it. Um, <laughs> so she'd had trainer wheels uh, oh, yeah. right up until, yeah, 10 years old. Um, she often gets quite overwhelmed, as we talked about with the emotions, too upset to try new things sometimes. But yeah. gradually, as you sort of warm her into it, um, she will give things a go. Um, anywho, uh, she started at new school, start of 2022, and mm. they'd had a bike track installed or a pump track. And um, how did we find out? But basically... Basically one out. of her teachers. Mm. Um, I came to pick her up that afternoon, and they said she'd had a great day on the bike. And I said, what do you mean? What bike? And they said, oh, the two-wheeler bike that we have in the shed for the kids. Mm, no and I trainer said, wheels. but she can't, she can't bike without trainers. And they're like, she's been doing it all day. Mm. And I was just blown away. I had no idea she could actually do that. Yeah. So we brought her home, put, took the trainers off, and boom, she was biking yeah, around away. everywhere, confident. And now we can't control it. She's biking down to the letterbox, hiding <laughs> things yeah, in yeah, it, yeah. which is like a K away. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, um, brought a new challenge. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but she, she loves her... Um, skill-based growing i can really see her excitement when she does something Hmm. for herself and independently and there's so much pride and joy in her i remember when i caught her flipping on her bed the other night she kept saying check it out check it out check me out check me out and she was just so excited and pleased with herself that was cute and i think that's a big learning for us is not to limit her either yeah. yeah, we try and put limits and, well, I mean, we want to put limits in there to keep her safe and, and sort of address behavior or anything yeah. like that, but not limit her ability to do things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, yeah, up until last year, she could just write her name and even then that was a challenge. And mm. then I get sent little things from school and she's written the cat Mm-hmm. on the mat or something like that mm. and i just can't believe it i can't believe her learning or her abilities or just how far she's come i think a lot of that is down to um the special schools we've sent her to yeah and the um specialized care and teaching and the way they have of communicating with her and helping yeah. her yeah because we've been really blessed in that sense of being able to get her what's called oars funding here in new mm. zealand and that means she gets additional funding but not everybody can get that and 
and the system is set up pretty poorly in the sense that not every child that probably needs to get it does get it yeah all we can say is just keep advocating keep advocating um we're both sort of people that won't be the first to speak in no. sort of situations um that's something that we've both sort of had to learn yeah. to do especially advocating for our child but when it's your child you've got to advocate yeah and, it's been a and big that's when you put me. on your um big boy pants and and do some advocacy big girl pants yeah and big girl pants <laughs> whatever um yeah totally that's been a massive thing big learning curve for me to fight for her yeah yeah and part of that has been you know helping the so i ended up writing the oars application for instance just because i could see um that if we didn't do this properly it wasn't going to get done yeah but uh, i guess it's pretty hard because not everybody has sort of training in that kind of area Mm. and so i'd really encourage you to seek or work alongside the professionals that are working alongside your child if Mm. you're going through that process Mm. but this is applicable to anybody that has a child um, whether they've got disabilities or, or not, is actually when something's going wrong, you need to um, step up and advocate for them. Yeah, if you don't totally. Um, there's a lot of, um, oh, kids need to go through bad experiences and all this kind of stuff. Um, we should be trying to protect them from going through bad experiences. All the resiliency sort of literature and um, uh, work that's out there is, yes, children can be really resilient, but they shouldn't have to be yeah that's the thing like we should be preparing them to go through difficult times in that but just for the sake of it they shouldn't be doing that yes and um a lot of the work we do and and my work is is with children who've um, experienced trauma and abuse and so have had things done to them that shouldn't be done to them yeah and therefore they shouldn't be having to develop this resilience to cope with that yeah and that's applicable for for our children who are vulnerable nowadays Mm. um we should be supporting them and scaffolding them to a place where they can grow and thrive mm, totally yeah and and so back to that point you were saying earlier is she'd struggled to talk she couldn't express herself and so yeah. that resulted in the tantrums and so and meltdowns, um, meltdowns and, and that's what you see in two and three-year-olds typically anyway yeah um, and even four-year-olds is they can't express themselves and so they tantrum mm. and so we we had that with indy but it continued into an older age yeah and stage and still does now as well yeah totally it's still huge what's some advice that you'd give to um others that um you know might be in a community that has a child with a disability um okay i'll take this question no stop (laughs) over talking me fine go i think um just to find ways to really enjoy your child I find with Indigo, amidst all the challenges and the frustrations, I just really enjoy her. She just delights me. Her personality, mm. her her joy, um, she just brings so much happiness and joy to my heart. So just try and enjoy them because they pick up on that. Kids pick up if you like them, if you actually enjoy them. Mm. Um, and so, and whether just, you're being genuine or not. Yeah, totally. So it's something... Um, I really focus on with all my girls just enjoying them and letting them know that I enjoy them, mm-hmm. that I love being with them, mm. that um, they make me happy. Mm-hmm. And when you find that, you start to feel really grateful for them and it puts in perspective the really challenging and hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives you a bit of a mental break just to be able to laugh and enjoy them and have a sense of humor yeah, and amongst and be, it all. And be silly. Like, this is your chance to be silly with them. And, mm. and we're not 
perfect parents at all. Of course no not. We um, we're on our phones. We're watching TV, that kind of stuff. But when they approach you, just try and and be responsive, even if it's just that initial response, mm. because what happens is when they're teenagers in that and if they get into something difficult who are they going to go to are they going to go to their peer group or are they going to go to their parents yeah um, I they think need to know that love's they there. need to know that they've got their parents there to come to when things yeah. are difficult so it's that uh, return back to that relationship that's really important yeah and it happens in those moments when they're younger when you're sitting watching tv and they come up and ask you for something it's really important if you can respond to them yeah yeah very important because that dishwasher. <laughs> dishwasher done. That might mean the podcast is almost done. Um, um, yeah. What's well, been, for you, what's been one of the biggest lessons that you've learned from Indigo? Uh, humility, I think, that mm-hmm. I don't know it all. Um, that it is a tough journey. I think, broader speaking, parenting is a tough journey. Mm. Um, so In tough. my profession, like we give out advice. We sit with people for, you know, a few hours, hear their story, you know, be empathetic and sympathetic and then give out advice. It's like, well, actually, no, it's really tough. Yeah. Like, you can't sort of sit on your ivory tower or your throne and give out this advice and um, expect people to follow it 24-7. Like, it's it's not a perfect art. You've got to be um, flexible. You've got to be thinking on the spot and you've got to adapt to the needs of, of the child that's in front of you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, my earlier question round was sort of, I think a thing we find a bit frustrating as well is when she might have an out, Indigo might have an outburst, like in a group setting, like if we're at church or if we're somewhere where there's a group of people and it's, it's normal for people to look and, mm. and see what's going on. Um, but it's really important if uh, you try and hold that judgment but also teach your children stuff to respect that there are different people. Yeah, and Different totally. kids are different functioning around. And also there's something to learn from anyone, from everyone. Yeah. And everyone should be um, celebrated no matter what their disabilities or differences. There is something you can learn from them. Yeah. Um, I think that's been one of my biggest things, just learning from Indigo what six... Indigo, you want to say hello? Hello. Indy, come. We're doing a podcast. Come and talk. Say hello. My name is Indigo. Hello. My name's Indigo. Nice. How old are you? Um, 10 years old. Yeah. And what's your superpower? Nothing. (laughs) Well, I think her superpower is just teaching everyone what success really looks like. Like, I think in this world, we have this idea of success being to have lots of stuff, to have an amazing mm. career, to earn lots of money, to have lots of fame or lots of likes on Facebook or whatever, or Instagram. Mm. But I think real success, what it really means to have a successful life, is just living loved. And that's what she does. She just lives and knows that she's completely loved and she lives in the moment. Mm. and she just um, loves people and loves herself and knows that she is awesome. Mm. And she never doubts that, no matter what people have said, and we've had some awful comments said to her and about her, it doesn't faze her. She, well, she doesn't really understand them, but she knows who she is in God. She knows she's his creation, and she's delightful, and she's loved, and she just lives in that. She's not chasing any impossible 
thing to make herself worthwhile she already knows she is and i think that's the definition of success yeah just knowing that and living in relationship with your creator with god so um for me she really teaches me that and just makes me laugh Mm. every day Mm. Mm. and and that's what we're trying to teach your sisters as well yeah as um it's especially hard um as they become more and more socially aware and they've got peers or friends that say nasty things about her um, mm. that we just keep trying to promote that family first. Yeah. Like your sisters are always going to be there. Yeah, and that we're a team. We've got mm. each other and we've got each other's back and this is our safe space. This is our safe home where we love each other and support each other and yeah. are each other's biggest fans. Pretty good wisdom. Hopefully. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's it's a tough journey and there's been hospitalizations where she's stopped eating for what's the longest two weeks two weeks after having a wiggly tooth or um she had a tummy bug um she's been in hospital on the drip that kind of thing but yeah when she gets in those states you just can't reason with her no and And it is very hard it's like a dark cloud kind of descends on you until you get through it it's very um stressful and painful and just heartbreaking to see her suffering in her own mind that she can't escape. Yeah, she gets so sort of fixated and set in that point that mm. she can't eat because she's got that wiggly tooth or she'll throw up again. Yeah. And so it's during those times we just try and be as supportive as we can to each other. Lots of prayers, lots mm. of surrounding uh, family and friends. It's mm. been really helpful. Yeah, and there's always so much support around us we're really thankful for. Mm. But once again, you're trying to deal with the health system that uh, I just think blowing some bubbles or something will help uh. her distress. <laughs> yeah. She's come a long way, but yeah, there's been time. She previously was very fearful and phobic of uh, anything hospital or medical, medical related, yeah. any medical procedures to the point where we've had to pin her down and um, she's her. been, yeah. She's been gassed and made unconscious just so that um, procedures could be taken, undertaken. So, yeah. 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 That's some of the sort of toughest stuff that you've got to do as a parent. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, sort of final parting thoughts. Maybe if you've got a child who's going through that process or um, is currently engaged in supporting that, just, yeah, just remember, hold on hope keep that relationship up just sit with them you don't have to have the answers Mm. just sit and listen when they're a bit older that's sort of some of the best stuff that you can do yep totally yeah and just enjoy them they're Mm. so much fun honestly yeah you look through stuff the hard stuff (laughs) yeah yeah so on that note we'll um finish up but um thanks for joining us again and we'll we'll be um, posting some more podcasts soon yeah all right take care god bless